morning, gentlemen. We are on Mem Zayin Amid Beis. We're in the middle of a debate. We're always in the middle of a debate. Um, we have, um, well, the, um, the debate that we are into is, is uh, when you have a field, so there's ownership of the field, and then there's ownership of a particular crop. That's called Kenyan payros, owning the fruits of a land. So the question is, if you purchase the right uh, of the fruits uh, to farm that land, is it considered your land? Uh, or is it really, if somebody else owns it, you just have the right to farm it this year? And the difference is, when you bring the first fruits, when you bring Bikurim, you make a declaration where you thank Hashem for your land. It's, it's not my land. Somebody else owns it. I think I'm told that in Eretz Israel that you don't really own the land. You just lease it, right? It's not technically yours. It uh, belongs to... It the depends on where it is. You know, sometimes you, it's the church land. Uh-huh. And there's a big thing going on right now with the Armenians because the Armenian patriarch has just agreed to uh, give up a bunch of land. So the, the locals are... Up in arms. <laughs> so uh, that, that, that is the question when we, how is what we call Kenyan Peros. When you have acquired the rights to the fruits, for all halachic reasons, is that considered like Kenyan Aguf or not? So it turns out that there are many differences in halacha of, of uh, when you just have Kenyan Peros. And this was the dispute between Reish Lakish and Reb Yochanan. Reish Lakish said, it's not full ownership, so it's maybe Veinukora, and Rabbi Yochanan said it was. So now the Gemara continues on with this debate. We'll spend uh, just a little more, uh, a little more of Amud Aleph on this issue. V'azdul the bottom line on Mem Zayin Amud Beis 47b. This is consistent in in their debate in other places. Did Mar if a person sells a field, Bisman Shahayovol Noig. Now. When the Jubilee year existed, uh, you actually always own a field because even when you sell it, you're going to get it back eventually. It goes stays in the family. Uh, now the Yovel, um So if you sold the field when the um, to somebody else and he fully buys it, but when the Yovel Jubilee comes around, when the Yovel comes, he's going to have to give it back. So can he declare this is my field? So I, I own it, but I, it's not really what I own is the right to farm it. But uh, after a while, the, the land itself is going to go back. So Rabbi Yochanan, again, there he says, maybe because of the fact that you have the right to farm it, that's yours. You can still make the declaration. Rish Lakish said, no, maybe ve'enu kara. You can bring it, but you can't make the declaration. So it's really the same debate that we had over here, uh, we have over there by the issue of the Yovel. Rabbi Yochanan Omar Mevikara, why Kenyan Abayrus Kenyan Aguftam? If you've acquired the rights to farm the land, that's as if you own the land. Reish Lakish says, maybe Ve'enukara, Kenyan Abayrus, love Kenyan Aguftam. It's not the same thing. Vitzricha, why do we need to uh, mention it more than one place? Diet Marbaha, if we only had it um, in, the, uh, in the case of the, the Yovel, um, I'm sorry, actually in the case of the um uh that was the of the bikurim uh where you just bought the fruits 
So if we only had that case, um, in that case, Reish Lakish said you can't read. Why? Because you only came down having in mind uh, to buy the fruits. Over here, when you fully bought the field, even though it goes back, you fully have in mind that it should be yours, so you should be able to make the declaration. And maybe he would admit to Rabbi Yochanan that you could say it. If you only had this case over here, Rabbi Yochanan said you could say it. Maybe he admits to Reish Lakish. So it, over here, really, you're, you feel like you're buying the whole thing. It's just that it has to go back. So do you look at it as more than a Kenyan payros? Do you really own it? I guess the question is what happens in the Jubilee? We, we call it going back. So that means like it was yours, but it goes back? Or is it really not yours because you can't keep it? It's, <laughs> right, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah, so Toshma, the Gemara now is going to see if we can resolve this from some, some of the sources. Hakona Elam Vakarka. What happens? Uh, they had nice orchards in those days. You buy a tree and you buy all the fruits of that tree and you buy the land that goes with it, maybe Vikora. That's considered uh, even one tree is enough to bring the first fruits. So, um, now, when you buy the tree, you don't really, once the tree dies, the land is, is going back. You're not going to own the land forever. So uh, you see over here, that's enough. So uh, does that prove anything? Uh, it could be that uh, we're not talking about when the, uh, that it's going back. We're, it could be we're talking about, it's not clear the time frame of this halacha. Was it during the Yovel years or was it not during the Yovel? If it's during the Yovel years, then you really didn't buy anything. And still you could read. But if it's not during the Yovel... Yeah, because it's just one tree? Um, well, that's certainly the Kiddush that it's one tree. But the question, though, is if it's going back, so um, then you, you're reading even though it's only a Kenyan Peyrus. So, uh, but... Um, even though it's one tree, you bought the land under it. But the, if the question is, do you have it in perpetuity or did you just buy it? Um, are we saying that even though you don't have it forever, uh, you still read? That proves that Kenyan Paris is enough. And we're saying, no, maybe you do have it forever because maybe it was not said during the, the Yovel year. It's interesting, even not during a Yovel year, I mean, eventually the Yovel will kick in again, right? It's a, uh, but we, we look... That. What? We believe that. Right, right, right. But we, it seems to say, like, it is yours in perpetuity until there's another Yovel, until it kicks in again. Mirza really Shem. Right, right, that's right. <laughs> that's, that's the Machlokas. That's the Machlokas. Yeah, so Tashma, let's try again. HaKodesh if you buy two trees, maybe then you can't read, because then you don't really own the land. You just own the fruits. Hashlosha, but if you had three where you... Three represent you when you buy three, you get the land with it, maybe the Kara. So, I it's only temporary, so you see that's enough. So, where's said, No, here also, same answer. Um, and then it was basically since it might be talking about where there is no uh, Yovel, then maybe it's more than a Kenyan Paris because the land isn't going back. Uh, but now we have a new answer actually. The, uh, the debate about whether it's considered your land or not, that all started by the second Yovel, the second time that Klaus Yisrael uh, accepted the concept of giving the land back. Rishon, 
but the very first time uh, people bought the land and uh, nobody really knew what was going to happen when they blew the shofar on the 50th year. Was it going to go back? Was it not going to go? Are people really going to give up their land? So, everybody agrees the very first time uh, the, 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 before there was a Yovel, then uh, everybody, when they bought the land, they looked at it like it was theirs. This was a new concept that you, you paid good money for something and you're giving it back. You're gonna, uh, it goes back. So nobody really, uh, they looked at it like it was theirs. They didn't really know what that looks like. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's very interesting. They're like, all right, let's go back to 50 years ago. You know, 30 years ago, everything goes back. So at the first time, so then it was considered like theirs. Um, so once you have that, that, somebody said there was a difference between the first Yovel and the second Yovel, so Lokasha, it's not a difficulty. Habba Yovel Rishon, everybody agrees, the very first time uh, you consider it like yours. The Yovel Sheni, when you get used to a pattern where you know it's going back, so then maybe not. So uh, the bottom line is we have no proof yet um, to this uh, who's right, Rabbi Yochan and Reish Lakish, when you just have Kinya Peiris, do we look at it like it's yours fully or do we not? So, Lehmikatanoi. It's almost a pattern. I, I think I've mentioned this to you a few times. Whenever the Gemara often will first, we have two opinions. First, we want to see if both opinions hold up. Do they hold up to the obvious sources? And then, after we've, if we determine that they both seem like they're strong, then the next step is, let's, if this is really a good argument, so maybe they talked about this earlier. And uh, there's no need to have a new argument. This is really the... Uh, so, lemekatanoi. Should we say, perhaps, this is an earlier argument? Again, it's just a, it's a certain pattern you'll notice with these uh, debates. That uh, Often, that's the next... Is first, we tashmat, and then we lemekatanoi it. We say, well, let's see if the earlier sources... Um, but f- but we, first, we have to see if both opinions hold up. Maybe they won't hold up, so that's tashma. Once we see both opinions are, are pretty strong... So then it's, a, it's a, a worthy argument. Well, if, why didn't they argue about this earlier if both sides are strong? So let's see if they talked about this earlier. So it comes up to the following case. Let's say you bought a field from your dad, Hekdishu, and then you gave it to Hekdish. And then your father died. So what happened is when you originally, in theory, it wasn't... Um, it wasn't yours in perpetuity. It would have gone back to your dad in Yovel. You just bought it for now. And then you gave it to the Beis HaMikdush, and then your father died and you inherited it. So at this point, it is yours permanently. But you gave it to the Beis HaMikdush. So, so how does the Beis HaMikdush look at it? Do they look at it like it was given to them something that was permanently owned? Or was it given to them something that was temporarily owned? So, how do you know? Now, the Beis HaMikdash, if they, if, if, when you had a Yovel and you gave them the land, they would only have a temporary because it goes back to the owner. But in certain cases, if you're the owner and you give it to the Beis HaMikdash, it's as if you're giving it to the Beis HaMikdash permanently. And uh, who gets it in the Beis HaMikdash? The Kohanim. <laughs> now, the, the Kohanim had no land. So if you gave it to the Beis HaMikdash, then the Beis Hamikdash would uh, give it over to the Kohanim. So, how do you, the question here is: Is the, are you considered like the owner or not? This was really technically you were giving your dad something for it. Uh, so, but and then later your person's father died and it became his. So, how do we look at it? 
So Talmud Lomer, Imeste, Miknaso, Shelomeste, Chuzasa. If it's just a field that you bought, which means temporary, and it's not your permanent field, Sadush, Enu, Roy, Liosa, it's a field that'll never be yours permanently, Sadachuza, Yotzezu. This field would be different. So even though at the moment your person's father's alive, but Shiroi Liosa, eventually he's going to be running the company, Dive Rabbi Yehuda. So Rabbi Yehuda looks at this field as a permanent field, and therefore, guess what? He's never going to get it back from the base of Migdash. We had that before, that typically, uh, whenever you do business with the base of Migdash, they, uh, that, that's, it's, it's, it's tzedakah, it's, it's going to stay there. Uh, Rib, uh, that's what Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon say. Rabbi Meir says, no, Menayim lokev sadimiyavit. How do I know if you buy a field from a person's father and they summon the father dies, and then you donate it? How do I know if you did it afterwards? It's like a, um, it's an inheritance field, a land that was a Talmud Lama. If it's a field that you bought that's not uh, an ancestral field, it's only a field which is not a family field. This would exclude this, which is a family field. Um, so according to, the question is, when is it considered a family field? Only after the father died or not? Is it, a, is it considered yours because you have the fruits now uh, and eventually you'll have the, 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 it'll be a family field? Or the fact that you have the fruits doesn't make it like a, like a family field yet. According to them, if the father died and then you donated, it's obvious that it's a family field. Those three crop. So what is the issue over here in learning the psukim? My love, this is the issue. Once you got the fruits, it's, it's your field. And, um, and uh, in, in here, when the father dies, uh, nothing really changes. If the father died and then you donated Sarakrah. In, in the first case, you just had Kenyan Perus. Uh, and that's um, and that's the same as owning the field. Reb Huter of Shimon Sever, they say no. Kenya payers lavke Kenya do the fact that you had the fruits. That's not like you had the land, and so therefore It's only after the father dies that it's really an ancestral field. Hilchak meisavib if the father died and then you donated. You don't need the pasuk for that. You need the pasuk to tell you if you donated it before the father died. Malka meisavib to Yitzri. Again, so the the basic question is. There, there's different nuance in halacha when you donate a field to the base of Migdash between a stay mikna, a field that you bought, and a stay achuza, a field that's yours, uh, your family field. And the question is, this is uh, going to be your family field, but right now it's just your fruit field. It's your Kenyan Aperus field. So, so we need to tell you that owning the fruits is not yet fully owned or not. And so that depends on your point of view. That seems to be our same argument. So it looks like our, what we thought was Reish Lakash and Yochanan Ah, uh, they talked about that hundreds of years ago. That's an old argument. Um, there, there is, um, what's often amazing is that you see like history repeats itself. If you look around, you'll find that most things happened already. You know, we've been there before. You know, it's a, uh, that's kind of that idea. So, no, maybe that's a different argument. And, uh, and really, they are arguing on a new thing. Really, they usually agree that if you own the, the fruits, it's fully yours. There's some extra words in the Pasuk. And so, there could be the requirements here are a little different. 
The Torah could have written this day, It could have said the field that you bought that wasn't going to eventually inherit. Sometimes a child would, uh, you know, I guess he buys the father out in a certain way. He wants the dad to retire, so he's buying his share out, right? He's bu- buying the father out. But that's not going to be his. My mistake, what does it mean, a field that, that's a family, it's got to be a field that's not going to be yours forever. This field would be different. Because Shada Shiroi, if the brothers let you, you're going to take it over. Omer of Yosef. He loved Omer of Yosef. He says, if we didn't have that concept, Lo Matza Yada Ragla Vez Medrash. He says, um, uh, we would not have found our hands and feet in the Vez Medrash. His hands and feet. Let's see. Is there a Russian? Yeah. Is there a Rashi here? I thought there was. Um, that's an interesting expression, not finding hands and feet. There's nothing, there wouldn't be anything to stand on, is what he's trying to say. The, this idea that just owning the, um, uh, owning the fruits is enough, that's an important concept. Why? Let's, let's go. Uh, basically, this opinion is going to back up the, his view in another case. Uh, what is the other case? Uh, that's the following. The Omer of Asi, Omer of Yochanan, Achim Shecholchu. So uh, a person's father passes away and two brothers inherit the estate. Now, estates don't divide down the middle. It's not always, they have to uh, make deals with you. You take this and I'll take that. Now, what do you mean you take this? This belongs to both of us, but we have to split it up. So the, when the brothers split up something, how do you look at that? How do you look at the split? They divide the business up. So he says when brothers divide, really it's like they bought and sold because originally each one owned the whole thing together and then they split apart. So and it means I'll give up my share of this half to give it to you and you'll give up your share of that half to, to, to the other. So it's as if they bought and sold to each other. So the difference is when you buy and sell, it goes back at Yoifel. Let's say you had an older brother took advantage. He knew like which part of the business was the best part. And so he said, I'll take this part and I'll let you take that part. Right? And so guess what? Yovel says you get another chance to divide out again in the Jubilee year. So these arrangements are just like buying and selling. That's one opinion. So the uh, And if you want to say when you... Uh, so it comes out that they don't really own it. Uh, they just have it temporarily until the Yovel. So if that's true, that you don't, uh, everybody has inherited land that they inherited originally from their forefathers. If inherited land is eventually going to go back to your cousins and your brothers and everything like that, nobody would ever bring first fruits. Uh, unless you had an only child, the son of an only child. I don't, I don't know how... how that's going back a while. That's right. It'd be very unusual to have a, an only son after an only son. Cause, so if that's true, and, and we find that people do say first fruit, so it must be that that's enough. So Amar Rav, Kramas Nisim, Messiah, Lavesh Lakish. So Rav said the Psukim and the Mishnayis seem to prove like Lakish. Krav, what's the Pasik? The Misvar Shneituas Yimkalach. It says that when you sell, uh, that you're selling land for the number of the harvest. 
And that's called selling just for the fruits. And the Mishnah, the Tanya, the firstborn takes two, even though it goes back. It's called owning the, um, the land, even though it goes back. The Kinyina Perus are like a Kinyina Goof. So it sounds like selling by the crops is how things work. The, the, the Parsha says it, right? Is it the Parsha too? Yeah, the Parsha is like it was. I didn't get that far yet. Maybe that's the. Uh, uh, oh, you said that part. Yeah. Omra by Naktina Bal Menixa Ishto. Now, one final area where this comes up is that when uh, people get married, the husband has the rights to farm the wife's uh, property. So, is that considered like he owns it? Technically, uh, if he dies first, she's going to take it with her, um, and uh, or if he gets divorced, that's her property. But it's, he's considered like an owner. So if the husband is bringing, uh, making these decisions um, about the land, so he's not really the boss. She's the boss. So when he goes to court, does he need uh, to prove that he has the rights to make the argument? So I'm Rabbi Naktina, we have a rule. He needs to uh, show that he has permission from her to represent her because he doesn't own the land. He just has the rights. That's only if he didn't start farming it yet. But once he starts farming it, once he's the boss of the fruits, he's, then he can argue on the rest of the land. So we finish off with this, this, uh, this burning issue of the discussion whether the fruits, owning the fruits is like owning the land or not. This is before we leave it, what about what about the share sharecropper? You have your farm, but you hire a guy to do the harvesting, and he can keep thirty percent. So, what do you think would be for Bitcoin yeah. there? So, sharecropper is, is a little bit less even because he doesn't keep all of it. Usually, in other words, he he farms. His share. Yeah, he has his share of it. But our question is, if you have all the fruits, would that would that be like uh, you own it? Let's do the Rashi on this. He needs permission from his wife, Sarek Harsha, Mi'ishto, from his wife. If he wants to have a, a good legal case with somebody else about, you know, where the property lines are or something, now, why does he need that Harsha? He's married to her. What's the issue? The other guy can say, I'm not talking to you. I'll deal with your wife. Who are you? The Kenyan pair, he says, well, I have the rights to the fruits. Well, you don't own the land. Got the kid gufu. So again, that's really our question. Does the fact that you have the rights to the fruits, does that give you like an ownership? And, uh, and again, we have those two opinions, Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish. Okay, new chapter, new halakas. Nizakin shamelu bedias. So uh, everybody was waiting to get back to Gittin, so hold your horses. We're not back to Gittin yet. Uh, Tosus wants to know why we add back to Gittin. What's this? The, these are damages. Somebody damages someone else. Top Tosus and Izakin Shemalam Gideus. So uh, basically, um, somebody causes someone else harm. He's got to make them whole again. And uh, people in those days, you know, money was not worth so much, uh, especially with the, not worth so much today. What was the the people dealt in was property. So if somebody uh, damaged somebody, he would have to give him property. So the question is, uh, everybody has that property that they can't sell, that they would love to give, you know, give up. 
can they give for damages their cheapest property, their ziburius, their, their, their garbage property, the property that you can't farm, you can't do much with it, it's hard to sell it, Nobody, uh, nobody's going mean, to... Certain properties are just hard to dispose of. People hold on to for years. You own the property where they sell... <laughs> right, right. That's it. <laughs> that's right. The land that's forbidden to farm. That's right. The uh, so uh, so the Mishnah is going to tell you. Uh, we're going to see that. Uh, uh, yeah, we're going to see that uh, if you harm somebody, you you can't. Uh, uh, they got to pay medical bills. You got to give them uh, uh, decent land. You got to give them your idiots, uh, your best. So, to, but that's nothing to do with divorce law. So what's this? Why are we starting off with this halacha? Let's see the top toasts. And the zok and shemalu idiots for damages. You got to make the person whole with decent property, your best that you got. Damages is a whole. That's really in the bavas. Is damages? Damages are monetary laws. So what's it doing over here in Gittin? El el Since last chapter, we started mili the tikan olam. We started Tikkun Olam fixing the world, the rabbinic decrees that were made uh, the, uh, that uh, helped society. So since we started rabbinic decrees, Tanilei Hachag Beget Pashit. Therefore, we learn it over here uh, in chapter Hanizakin and Get Pashit will continue on. The Tani Baba Basra, Velo Tani They That are really things that are uh, really the place for damages is over there. Uh, that's why it's learned over there. But um, either way, the, um, he's just mentioning that we're continuing on with the uh, Tikkun Olam. Back to the Mishnah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then the follow-on question is, why is it a new parak? It should be in the same thing. Like, there should be one parak called Tikkun Olam, probably. And all this Tikkun Olam matter should be in the same parak. Why are we starting a new parak? I, that's a good question. I don't really know why they, how they decide when to start a new parak. Like, what, what, when is it that it's, is it, is it only, is it only when they change the subject? It, it is, even though it's Tikkun Olam, it's a little bit different. Uh, I'd have to really look at it to know the, does anybody know what the, when they decide to start a new chapter or the, it's, sometimes it's obvious. It's like a different set of laws. And, and Richard is saying, you're right. These are continuing on with the legislation. Um, we'll have to see. We'll have to see if the, uh, uh, maybe that was just so long they decided to break it up. I, I don't know. That's a good point. So we begin. Uh, if somebody damaged somebody and there's different types of fields, you have to pay with your best. What happens if uh, somebody owes somebody money and you can't pay? So he's allowed to uh, repo your land. He's allowed to take back your land. So which land can he take? can't take your best. Take your best prize land. He has to take the average. What about when a person dies or gets divorced? What does the wife get? She can get the cheapest land. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't seem fair. That's right. Um, really, why does a man have to promise the woman uh, so much? So really, uh, well, we're going to see. There's a big debate whether that's Minatora or Midrabanan. Actually, uh, we can... Um, let's take a... It's really a Ksuvas question, but Tosos over here throws it in. Let's take a quick look. I guess Tosos is also wondering, why does the woman uh, get such a bad... Uh, even the bank gets a better deal. They get the average. You know, if you damage somebody, they get your best. If the bank owes money, they get average. 
you got to pay off the wife, she's getting the cheapest. Why? Second time. The Gemara the first time. More than a man wants to get married, typically women want to get married. Um, it's, uh, they, they, women folk, usually in those days, was very uh, difficult to be single. And they, uh, it was not, a, not, was not a good option. And so they very much wanted to get married. And uh, the problem is that the, uh, 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 the husband, especially if he had more than one wife, uh, was taking on a big liability. So they didn't make the liability for the ksuva to have to pay from the best lands. They made it on the... And, uh, and the women were still willing to get married, even knowing that they wouldn't get... And now they could always ask for better lands, but they were knowing that the average woman would not be getting the best, that in theory he didn't have to give her the best to pay off the debt, the ksuva. That's what Tosa says. But Tosa says, uh, according to the opinion of it shouldn't you shouldn't be able to give her that. It's a whole discussion here. Back to the Mishnah. Rameir says, he says, no, even the uh, married woman, she gets the average. Okay. Next. What about if somebody owes money and he has multiple lands? And especially if you're entitled to a better land, if the guy only has the cheap lands, so instead of get going to him and taking one of his cheap lands, you want to go to one of the lands that he sold off and kick off the person and say, hey, when you bought it from him, he owed me money, so I have the right to kick you off. You can't do that. You can't collect from lands that are, have been sold but are mishubed, that are, in theory, are, 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 are backups for the land. He, in a place where he has land free and clear, even though it's junk. So in other words, this guy, when you, when you loaned him money, he had some good fields. And you thought he's, you know, you didn't care that he wasn't going to pay because you were hoping to repo his best fields. But he sold his best fields. And when you come to him, he says, here, I have my, uh, I have my you know, my valley for Azazel that you can uh, take for the debt. And he says, no, 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 I wanted the prize field that, oh, well, I sold that last year to... Uh, Okay, no problem. I'll kick them off. So they made a rule that you can't kick off people if there is land free and clear. Next. Son, mm -hmm. Even if it wasn't land that was sold, you can still have Meshubid properties in your possession that are Meshubid to other people, like mortgages. So not, I don't think not necessarily land that was necessarily sold. Even if it's Meshubid. But... But here, it would, this has to be a prior shibud. In other words, this, uh, um, this, this would, if somebody else, that would be obvious that you couldn't take it from somebody from a prior shibud. That, that's what, that's, I think that's the chiddush here. Okay. Next. Let's say somebody owed you money and they died and you're taking the property from the orphans. Now, had they been alive, you would have been able to collect the better fields. We always protect orphans. Because uh, people take advantage, they don't know what was going on to their father's property. So there's a rule that when you collect from the orphans, you don't take their best fields away. You got to take from the cheapest. Next, now what about if you have to pay debts, uh, whether it's for fruits or or to improve land or to pay off the wife and the daughters? You don't take that from land that's. Um, uh, been uh, sold. Uh, again, we'll see. We'll explain all of these in the Gemara. Now, a totally separate halacha. 
let's say you find somebody's wallet and you give it back and he says it's missing the cash. Surprise. I get the empty wallet. Well, what, what about all the money that was there? Well, I figured if I'm giving it back anyways, I'll be nice and give it back, but I'll keep a little bit for there to reward myself. So the, uh, the question is, he wants to put you on the witness stand that you didn't take any of the missing cash. So can you make the finder swear that he didn't pocket any of the missing money? So even though technically when you make a claim against somebody, you can ask them to, to swear, in this case, we didn't uh, require you to swear. Nobody's going to return anything if you're going to make them swear. You know, it discourages people from... Uh, but, but we'll see in the Gemara. So again, we have a whole bunch of cases, uh, new cases of rabbinic uh, rules that it was in society's best interest uh, to make these rules, and we'll have to see the why. So the first thing we said was, when you damage somebody, you've got to pay them back the best to make them whole in order to fix the world. It's just a rabbinic decree. What do you mean it's a rabbinic decree? Deraisahu. It's a, isn't that from the Torah? Give back your best. You harmed this guy. So uh, No, uh, you're right. We need it for Rabbi Shmuel, who says, The question is, um, how do you look at when you pay somebody you've damaged? So what do, how do you determine what's best and what's worst? Let's say you're a rich guy and he's a poor guy. So do you look at what would be the best uh, uh, when you've got to pay him back good stuff? So he's a poor guy. So for him, do you look at what would be good for him or do you look at what would be good for you? So he says, really, Beninizik Shaminin. You, you, don't, you only have to give him, uh, you harmed him and you have to make him whole. So you say, well, anyways, this guy's fields are pretty cheap. I can pay him back with the best of his fields, and he'll be happy with that. But it is Shaminim. That was the argument, by the way, that Haman made when they uh, wanted to reward uh, Mordechai. He said, uh, the, the, uh, see, Haman thought that he was the one who was going to get the honor and ride on the king's horse. And, and so once Ahasuerus said, no, I want to honor Mordechai, he said, Mordechai, he's not going to appreciate the king's horse or this and that. Why don't you just give him some money or give him some taxes that he can... So then Achishrei said, give him that also. You know, that was the, but they, they, they bring that in, that, that, uh, that argument. So he damaged somebody, and so he doesn't want to give his best, I've got much better fields than that guy. So I would have thought, Midiorisa, I could look at what he has, and as long as it's equal to the best of what he has, that's enough. No, you've got to look at the best that you have. Uh, uh, my Rebbe Shmuel, where do we see this argument? Torah says you got to pay your best. So who's best? Um, he says it means the one who caused the damage, that's we look at what you own. Rebbe Kiva says no. He says you don't pay your best. He says, you pay average. Um, I'm sorry. No, low, low, Eliglos and Ezekiel, you pay the best. Um, but not just the best of the, uh, the one that was damaged, uh, but it's the, the best of the one who did the damage. The Kabbalah coverless Hegdish. And certainly when you pay Hegdish. So, Ulu Rebbe Shmuel. And um, uh, according to Rebbe Shmuel, so there seems to be an argument about how you pay. So let's take an example. Ocho Shmena, 
Um, so if you, if you, by mistake, you, your animal ate your neighbor's land, and he ate uh, a um, very fatty land, Mishal Mishmena, you should have to pay him back equally. You've got to make him whole from equally good. Okochuchusha. And uh, according to him, that you have to pay the best of you, the mazik. So if you ate your, uh, your animals, uh, let's say, ate your neighbor's crops, so Mashal Mishmena, you've got to pay him back your good stuff? That doesn't sound right. How the animal can eat the land? I mean, we eat the produce of the land? The produce of the land, yeah. But why you have to pay the land? Did the produce come and grow? Then this time is the best produce, but next time is only the worst produce. The land is still the land, you know? The land is the like, mother of the produce. And right. Sometimes the land... I guess it's land that... Uh, um, what Dr. Pelosha was asking is, is I think, is that the, this, if you're paying them back, this was just a temporary loss, uh, you're only paying them back temporary, you know, you ate the fruits, you give back fruits. What, why are we talking about the land? Did he damage the land in a way that now he can't farm it? Like and leak the soil or what? Yeah. So, did the cows get loose and they're in there, or is the guy paying rent to have the cows in that land? He damaged him. We didn't really go into exactly how the damage occurred. That, that's what we're all questioning here, is what... Uh, uh, what was the name? I'm, I'm assuming that maybe it damaged the land in a way that it wouldn't be easy to, to go back and farm. You dug it up from the roots. Right. And it doesn't grow back. Right. So no harm done. Be another apple. But if somehow the animal went in and in the way I think goats do that. They eat, you know, they, they'll, they'll eat, they, you know, nothing will grow up. But. Um, I'm assuming that he damaged the land, like you said, like uh, that it was. Yeah. The way that he's explaining here in the commentaries that we're talking about what what they're eating is a rich bed of vegetables. This is a poor bed. It's not doing damage to the land. So if that's true, then why would you have to give him your best land? You would just give him your fruits. That uh, you would just pay the fruits, wouldn't it be? I'm assuming there's some temporary land damage here. That's that's the. But that's that's what we're discussing right now. You're saying the commentaries just talk about paying for the damage inflicted. That's what he's talking about. He's not saying paying with land. It sounds like he's paying with money. Well, you're paying with. Uh, he doesn't have money, so he's giving his land to pay for the damage. Um, but uh, well, we'll we'll see some more as we go on. But our um, so the Gemara actually says the our question is if uh, why would you have to pay better than you damage? So he says kigon shocho rugo benarukos. What happened was that we don't know exactly. Um, we know that your animals got loose and they ate uh, from the rows of your neighbor's crops. But we don't know. The neighbor says, your animals, they, the crops that they ate was going to be my best. And he says, no, so what, they didn't eat something. They didn't damage very much. They ate the stuff that was the garbage. So, so, what happened was these animals went and ate up your neighbor's property. And now it comes time to pay, and your neighbor says, I'm sure what they ate was my best stuff. And you say, no, I'm sure what they ate was your worst stuff. So the question is, how do you make him whole again? He claims that they ate from the best, and you claim maybe not. So the rule is that you have to pay him from the, the, as if it were the best, unless you can prove not. He said, if you knew for a fact that your animals only damaged the weak stuff, 
Misham Kakusha, you could pay back the weak stuff. Hashte lo yidin misham shmena. But now that you don't know, are we going to make you pay more? Amotzi olivaraya. Shouldn't, if, if he wants you to pay more than you damaged, shouldn't he have to bring the proof? And we're going to continue this argument tomorrow. So again, we're in the middle of a, of a case here where uh, it's a damager. And uh, we learned in the Mishnah that the damager is going to have to pay, the Torah says, from his best. And the question is, if we look at uh, not just what's considered the best of the one that got damaged, but the one who caused the damage, in some cases, won't he end up better off because he's going to get even better than he, he lost? Is that fair? And so that's going to be part of our discussion tomorrow. Have a great day.